With so much software and so many services available in the short-term rental industry these days, it's increasingly difficult to keep up to date with what's on the market and to determine whether it's a maybe or a must-have for you and your business. So meet one provider each week in a short interview, learning what they do and what they offer. So if you have around 20 minutes to spare, it could prove to be a very good investment to stick around. So let's see who and what is out there, one by one, with me, Deborah Larvey, also known as the Guest Inspector. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Texplained with the Guest Inspector. AI, machine learning, chat GPT, Bing AI chat, Google Bard, and the rest. We are being bombarded with so much technology these days. It's like we've changed gear and are speeding forward to the age of the Jetsons, if you're old enough to know who they are. But wait, some of us aren't even quite sure who's driving. So today we're having a special episode to discover who or what is driving this. And as always, it's in layman's terms. Welcome to the world of AI or artificial intelligence. And following that, we'll be learning about adaptive. And of course, the best person to explain all of this is the one and only Evan Dalgo. Hello, Evan. How are you? Hi, Deborah. Thank you. It's an honor to be the AI guy in this time. <laughs> the AI guy. Well, uh, Evan, we're going to start by pulling the curtain back and having, having a look at what, what's this Wizard of Oz hiding behind the curtain? What is AI? That's the million dollar question. And I love when people say, I'm using AI to accomplish that. Because the reality is AI isn't really anything. AI is this umbrella term that encompasses machine learning, which is the idea of a brain that continues taking in data and learning and natural language processing, which is chat GPT. Mm. But AI itself is just a buzzword. So I think it'd be smart for us to dive into what is machine learning and what is natural language processing. Yes. Well, let's do right. Let's do that because that's, that's going to be my next question. What is the difference between AI and machine learning, given that it is under the AI umbrella? What is the difference? Yeah. So the, I think the idea of AI is that you have a computer that can take in data and learn from its mistakes. But AI itself is not like its own science. Within AI, as the umbrella term, you have machine learning and natural language processing, which feed off each other. So machine learning is the core for all of AI. And what machine learning is, is it takes in all data. And in a VRM's case, it connects all the fragmented data a VRM already has. So PMS, CRM, Google Analytics, reviews, you name it. Plug all that data into one place, because right now it's fragmented. And in the machine learning engine, it talks, where it draws meaningful connections. And you can start to understand what are guest preferences what are their purchasing power and so on. And the idea of the machine learning component is that let's say the output is personalization where we're showing you specific properties. If the machine learning engine makes a mistake, it never does it again. And if it does something right, it doubles down on it. Mm -hmm. And the idea of machine learning is that the more it, the, it's always awake, always learning, doesn't complain. And the idea is that the more you use it, the better it gets. Mm. So let me pause there to see if you have any questions. Yeah, I do. Because I was sort of of the understanding that AI needs to look back at the data to give you what you want. And machine learning starts from now and learns as you go and improves and gets better. So what you're saying is machine learning also has to look back and use the data. So you, yeah, so the way you just use the word AI, you could just, you could, it's synonymous with ML. You could say machine learning 
the more data you feed the machine, the better. So if you have historical data, that's excellent. But yeah. also the real-time data is excellent as well. Okay. So with machine learning, you can start now and look ahead. I mean, and it will learn from now, but the bigger case is that the machine learning does need to, or the AI part, oh, I don't even know how to describe it. <laughs> it does need to look back, but it can start now. I mean, at some point with machine learning, can you start now? Correct. So think of it as like your Amazon or your social media. When you start using a new social media, it doesn't understand you. It's going to show you ice cream and tires and things that are totally irrelevant. But the more you use it, the more it becomes tailored to you because it understands your preferences and affinities. Hmm. So the idea is, is, let's say Amazon, for example, Amazon for years collected previous orders. At, it didn't have AI this entire time, but it was able to take your order history, understand what you shop for, when you shop, how you shop, and then use machine learning to curate your experience better. Mm. Yeah, so it had to be a starting point somewhere. Okay, so in the VR world, uh, STR world, what sort of data is needed to, to, to make use of AI if you can't start now, but in the future, what sort of data is needed and how is it stored? There's a lot of talk about you need to keep your data, you need to store your data. Give us some you know, tips on that or, or how does that all work? Yeah, so this is where I think VRMs lucked out because their data their data systems or their tech stacks have been collecting data whether they like it or not. So the richest data of them all is the PMS system, the property management system. That not only shows you all your unique property attributes, but it also shows you how your guests book, how much they spend, and so on. So PMS, richest data of them all. Um, other data sets that are important are your marketing, shows you how your guests engage with the messaging you send them, your reviews, that sentiment can be ingested into the machine learning engine and through natural language processing, you can understand sentiment analysis, maybe even drive predictive maintenance, understand that, hey, these three apartments or these three units have the same issues and the same complaints and the same vendor and the machine learning engine can pick up. There's usually a problem when this weather happens or some sort. So the idea is when you interconnect it all, then the output can be streamlined across the board. And that's where natural language processing comes in. So. Uh, machine learning, we understand it's the brain that takes in all the data understands. Natural language processing is a machine learning engine, but just with words. So instead of like pictures and images and things like that, NLP or ChatGPT uses words rather than other type of content. Hmm. Well, the frightening thing about ChatGPT, I gave it a go recently, uh, whipping up some code. <laughs> I wasn't sure if it would speak to me. And I actually asked it a question and it did respond. So I thought that was a little bit, oh, I, didn't, I wasn't expecting that. I thought it's just something that you ask, but it did actually talk back to me and apologize. And um, yeah, okay. <laughs> that, was a, that was very freaky. Yeah. Um, yes. So things like Google Analytics too. I think one of the things that I wanted to um, say was when you talk, when, when anyone talks about AI, initially I just imagined it like a really big computer room, like the big mother hell. And everyone fed their questions in through this big computer room. You know, like imagine, remember the old, the first computer would took up a whole room. But AI is actually code. And companies can have their own code that does that job, right? It's actually a step further. It's mathematical models. So specifically at Adaptive, we have over 100 models at play. What does that mean? Well, one of our models is called a lifetime value model. Does this guest keep coming back again and again? 
We have a purchasing power model. What properties are they looking at? How are they looking at it? And then there are demand signals. So the idea is that there's endless models from seasonality to guest intent, to real-time data, your existing data. And the idea is that all of these models feed it into the machine learning engine, which is code. Mm -hmm. And that engine needs to decide, is it doing something right or is it doing something wrong? Mm -hmm. And the way we do that is by programming the metrics. So click-through rate, conversion rate, things that matter to the bottom line of a profitability of a VRM. So there's a full cycle here at play. Mm. So this is code, right. Now, also, um, we've uh, chatted about cookies disappearing in 2024. Now, cookies is something where you, you know, obviously you get data. What is the story with cookies then? Yes, and then Europe, uh, your regulation is already ahead of ours in the USA. So I think you already have, uh, cookies have already been deprecated for the most part. Um, but for the Wild West here in the USA, cookies are disappearing. And everyone knows what they are in theory, because when you go on a website, you press accept or reject. Most of us ignore it. But when you ignore it, you're basically accepting it. Um, so what is a cookie? Well, a cookie is a small file, piece of data that gets stored on your device and follows you across platforms, across websites, and learns how you're using it. That way, when you come back to the website that placed the cookie, they get all of that data on your web surfing behavior and your usage, and they can then personalize the experience to you based on the data that you have collected across platforms. So the idea is a little cookie is stalking you on everything you do. Spyware. Yeah. And that's disappearing. Thankfully, that's disappearing. Well, it's a, it's got it's a double-edged sword here because cookies were a way for everyone to collect data, but now those are disappearing by 2024. Google is totally deprecating those. They will be sunsetted. Yeah. And the idea is, so how do we collect data going forward? So I think that's going to be a major a major paradigm shift for the industry because data is gold. And if there's data, data scarcity, how are they going to push the ball forward um, when data just doesn't exist as, as freely as it used to? Yeah. So the whole thing about AI, you're talking about e-commerce with Amazon and Shopify, and they're using AI to see where you've been, what you like, things like that. So once all of that data goes away, what's going to happen? I mean, how, how is Amazon, how are all those guys going to do it? With AI. So this is, this is the idea here. Now that you don't have a ton of data, whatever data you do have needs to be effective. And the way to make it effective is not with the human brain, because we do not speak the language of data. Data is just a foreign language, and there's trillions of data points that the human brain simply cannot handle because that's just cognitive overload. So Amazon, big tech, Airbnb, booking.com, all these companies have decades and gazillions of data points. I don't even know if there's a number of how much data they have. Mm -mm. And what they do is they take all the historical data and they feed the engine. Mm. So now that engine understands what's the core business, who are the core guests, what are their core competencies? Yeah. But the question is, how do they personalize experiences without having data? Yeah. And the way they do that is with what we call lookalike models. Um, out of curiosity, are you familiar with lookalike models? I've heard of them. Oh, yeah. Explain. <laughs> yeah. So I just I just like to take a, a general status of that because I'm not always sure if people know what lookalike models are. And what they are is basically saying, Deborah, if you land on a website and you're totally anonymous, what we do know is your device type. Are you on an iPhone or Android? Which which level of those are you? Which which version of those? Um, your browser, your IP address, so we can get your zip code. Is it a wealthy zip code, a medium zip code? and maybe a dozen other po data points, which we call metadata. Mm -hmm. And those data points are not perfect. They're pretty generic. 
But what we can do is say, Deborah has the same lookalike model as these last 20 guests that converted. So to start, let's guide Deborah down something similar. Yes, it's not perfect, but it's better than nothing. Mm. So to start, we're gonna guide Deborah down a similar lookalike model, but then what we do have is what we call tracking. So tracking follows your behavior around the website, what you're looking at, what you're hovering over, how you surf, and that's understanding how you, how you uh, play the game in a way. So what we do is we guide you down that similar lookalike model, but the more you click on the website, the more we learn specifically about you. So those recommendations will improve over time. And that's exactly what the OTAs are doing at scale. It's exactly that game. Mm. But that sounds like then that's where machine learning starts. If you're starting and you're, you're taking those first data points of someone and building on that, that's machine learning, right? So machine learning, there's two, there's two uh, components of what data is good for it. There's the mm. real-time data and mm. the existing data. So if you could feed the machine learning engine tons of existing data, it'll get a head start on ramp-up mm. time. But if it's starting from scratch, it's going to need several weeks to months to really understand who you, the business, what the business is and who you are. Yeah. 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 And I've got a mistake. I was made a mistake before with the cookies in the Amazon. <laughs> yes. Um, how are, or how can vacation rental managers use AI today? Yes. And I think that question is better answered with what to be aware for and what to okay. be, what to, what to be concerned of. Yeah. Uh, because AI was cool a few years ago, but everyone started using the word. It became a buzzword and no one wanted to hear it again. Mm. And then about six months ago, ChatGPT came around and now AI is cool again. Mm. And now everyone is using AI. So I think to start, I just want to debunk a few myths because um, before we talk about what I do, there unfortunately is something what we call vaporware. Mm -hmm. And when I say vaporware, people think of the Terminator. They think of robots taking over the world. But the key word is vapor. It just does there's nothing there. It doesn't exist. It's branded AI, not real AI. So I think the number one spot where we're going to see that are uh, chatbots and advertising. So chatbots. Um, the simple answer is booking.com has spent over a billion dollars on their chatbot, and it still only answers 40% of all their inquiries. So if booking.com's billion dollar chatbot can only answer 40% of inquiries, do you really think this two-person company that spawned two months ago can solve all your problems with the chatbot? So enough said there. Hmm. And then uh, any questions on that though? No, I was just going to say, how do you double check that? How do you verify the company? Or how do you verify yeah. that you're going to get what they say? LinkedIn. Uh, anyone who's selling AI should not hide. If they're hiding, then they're hiding something. Mm -hmm. So if they're not on LinkedIn and they're not transparent, then you shouldn't buy their product. Mm -hmm. Then okay. The second component is advertising. And this is where you see, can you, can, you, can you take the guest intent data and personalize my Google ads or my social media ads? The answer is no, because as we know, we're switching from Google Analytics to Google Analytics 4. It's a mandatory transition. And for your, for your listeners who haven't done that yet, if you do not transition by July, you will lose all your Google Analytics data. And the way you check is you log into Google Analytics. At the top, it'll give you a, a notification and you press migrate over to GA4. So what is Google doing by effectively moving us over into this new platform? They're forcing us to play their game even further. They have cut out all the middlemen that were able to navigate before. And now you have to play Google's game with no middlemen. So if any company tries saying, hey, we could personalize your Google ads, we could personalize your social media ads. The answer is that's just, that's a, that's a lie because Google will never allow that. Mm -hmm. So I think it's very careful to be aware of, of AI when someone's trying to sell you advertising or within the within chatbots. Mm -hmm. 
And so then with the real AI, is it only really for the big guys right now? Unfortunately, yes. Mm -hmm. um, and, and we're working on ways to bring it downstream to the smaller players. But the reality is machine learning needs a ton of data. Mm. So that's another flag. If, uh, if you only have a handful of properties and someone's trying to sell you artificial intelligence, the reality is you, you likely don't have enough data. So what is that data threshold? Mm. Well, us, what we see is that it's usually about 100 properties and, uh, and five to 10,000 monthly web visitors. Um, it really depends what you're trying to do with the artificial intelligence, but even that is considered a small amount of data. So I just really want to set the tone here that the data threshold is very high for AI to be impactful. Mm -hmm. You know, before when you were saying about um, storing your data and how, you know, we're going to need our data one day. Well, if a property manager has a PMS and is using Google Analytics and, you know, perhaps has a CRM, where's that data going to go? They're going to have access to that data. So why specifically are property managers being told to store their data? It's already being done, like you said. But at the same time, these tools are very powerful. They're very mm. robust. They have teams that are constantly building out new products. Mm. So the idea is that you, if you're paying for the service, mm. you want to be maximizing the power of the tool. Mm. So yes, that tool will be collecting data. But for example, in Google Analytics, Unless you configure a lot of the settings like e-commerce tracking, it's not going to do it automatically. So yes, Google Analytics is starting to store some things, but the idea is, is that you need to go understand what Google Analytics is doing, become an e-commerce pro, and make sure that Google Analytics is tracking every step of the way. Because what that does, Google Analytics essentially shows you what your booking funnel looks like. Mm. In a way, Google Analytics is your storefront. It shows you everyone who comes into your store. It shows you what they're looking at. It shows you when they get brain fog and get stuck. So if you can understand every layer of the booking funnel, because it takes six to eight site visits for a guest to come back and press pay, mm -hmm. then you can make your website more efficient, double down on what's working, cut out the fluff and become more efficient. Mm -hmm. E-commerce. I think that's the key word here, actually. Yeah. Well, not the key word, but it's definitely something that we need to be looking at. Like you've, you've said it at conferences before, we need to understand e-commerce. Mm. I say it again and again, because that's absolutely <laughs> the truth. And yeah. um, it's just e-commerce is the, if direct bookings are a priority, then unfortunately you're in the, you're in the e-commerce game as well. And the thing is with direct bookings, that's how you're going to get the data too, right? So but, you really, really do want to be, you know, pushing for more direct bookings and getting off the OTAs because the OTAs are just going to hang on to that data. Correct. And when I joined this industry two years ago, I learned really fast that everyone was complaining the OTAs don't share the data. They didn't even share the guest names for a period of time. So question is, why do you think they are doing that? Mm. Because the data is gold. Mm. Yes, absolutely. Hey, um, what do you think, given ChatGPT is, uh, you know, everyone's using it now. What do you think the future of so industry software looks like, the near future and, you know, next year or two? What is going to happen with our industry software? Because I'm seeing it being incorporated already. What's What does it look like? Yeah, that's a tough one. So I I, I know you, you've you used ChatGPT to draft up some code and it was effective. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really clever of you. And mm -hmm. I think that'll work as a plug in place. Um, I do not think it'll work for a scalable business within the next several years. Mm -hmm. And the reason is, is because ChatGPT is not perfect. But look at it. Let's compare a web development company versus an individual coder. When you have a web development company, it comes with its problems. They're big, they might answer the call every day, but they're scalable. They know how to scale you from 10 properties to a thousand because they've done it many times before. And they have all the infrastructure already in place. 
Now, let's say you hire a single coder to build your platform. The coder puts in the hours, builds you a beautiful platform, but then the coder gets poached and has to go to a different company. So you hire a new coder. The thing about code is it's personalized to the person who built it. So that new person has to come in, understand all the code, turn it to them. That takes months. So once they change it to their style, then they can start improving. And that takes several months. And mm -hmm. let's say this, and then it's a constant cycle of just battling personalized code. And after three or four coders, now you have this mishmash of a bunch of code. So I think for those that use ChatGPT to constantly just build off of the previous code they built before, mm. you're going to run into that problem as if you have a, a singular coder that keeps leaving, you have to hire a new one. It's very mm. similar to just plugging and placing snippets of code. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Now, um, there's also, um, just to talk about AI in general, away from the STR world, but there is, there is talk of artificial intelligence like taking over. There seems to be this dark side of AI that people are very, very nervous about. Is it possible? Do you think? It, it can can AI can AI sort of like become you know it one person like Hal and just take over and say I don't want to answer I, I'm you know I'm on strike um, whatever. Well, look, AI is always awake, always learning. It doesn't yeah. complain. So I, I do understand that fear very clearly. That being said, I think that that's many years away. Let's call it 15, 20 years away. Is it really worth worrying about that today? Mm. I don't think so. Mm. Today and the next decade at least, I think the theme is going to be humans that use AI will significantly outperform humans that don't. Mm. For example, let's use ChatGPT because that's the most familiar. Yeah. For a while, blogs cost fortunes. Blog costs fortunes because they cost a lot of money and it costs a lot of time. Now, you're, you can use ChatGPT to do about 50% of the heavy lifting, and then you come in and complete the other 50%. Mm. So I don't think that's cheating by any means. I think that's using your tools to your advantage to be more efficient and mm -hmm. deploy more content. Mm. That being said, if you had ChatGPT running all your blogs, it would be unreadable. We've all, we've all put things in the ChatGPT and it spits something out that makes no sense. So the reality is, is you do need a human in the loop is how we call it. Mm. And uh, humans that use AI and become more proficient with AI will be significantly more efficient. And that's the idea of how do you double your business without doubling your workforce? It's by empowering them with the tools, in this case, AI, for them to double their efficiency. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, we're gonna start, um, we're going to head over to Adaptive in a minute for the text plan for Adaptive. Anything else we need to consider about AI or machine learning in the STR world? As a, yes. as, you know, smaller PM or, or anything like that? Yes. And uh, it's really the power is at your fingertips with education. And I think the education starts exactly how you said it before with e-commerce, mm. because the way data is collected is digitally. And the way you're going to learn about digital is through e-commerce education. So I highly recommend going to Google Analytics Academy. It's completely free. They teach you everything about Google Analytics and you'll at least get the fundamentals. So that way, if you hire someone, you know what to ask and what to look for, or potentially you do it yourself. And I'd like to leave one uh, anecdote, one little story here of, of faith, because a few years ago, there was a little company called Amazon that grew really fast. And if you searched for any product on Google, 90% of the time, Amazon would be the first search result. And Amazon had like 90% of all e-commerce business. But then right before COVID, a smaller company called Shopify came around. And what Shopify did is it, is it democratized big technology for all these direct-to-consumer businesses. So now all these Amazon business started building their own websites, similar to how all of the OTA VRM started building their direct booking websites. And these direct-to-consumer e-commerce sites 
started driving traffic away from Amazon. Now Amazon gets the first search result less than 50% of the time. They've closed over a hundred of their warehouses. They've stopped development period. They complete moratorium on new warehouse development because they're contracting simply for the reason that e-commerce traffic is now going direct rather than to the platforms. Mm -hmm. So if we use that as a parallel. I think there's faith for our industry that we can drive traffic away from the OTAs into your direct booking system for long-term autonomy. What a lovely, uh, lovely message that is. And what a perfect segue into, Evan, can you please tell us, what does Adaptive do? That's a great question. So Adaptive <laughs> does exactly what the OTAs do, except on your direct booking website. So when you go on booking.com, you go on Airbnb, their websites are constantly changing for each visitor based on their preferences and purchasing power and all those 100 models that I spoke about. So your experience on Airbnb will be entirely different from mine because we simply like different things. Mm -hmm. So the idea is when they come to your website and every time it's just generic, it makes no sense. You're showing them two bedroom apartments and seven bedroom homes. It's craziness. It's mayhem. Think about it like this. If your social media was all over the place, would you use it? No. So the idea is on the OTAs, they set the expectation of personalized booking journeys. What Adaptive does is we deliver that on your direct booking site. Look, it, it is actually AI is like a curator. It gives you exactly what you want. It suits you. It, 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 it is a curation service almost. Well said. Yeah. So um, as a property manager, if, if I obviously had a company that was big enough, because you do have some sort of cutoff, obviously you said a hundred properties and um, thousands of visitors a month. What is the process? If I, if I want to use adaptive, what is the process then? Yes. So first it's about talking with me to make sure that your problems can be fixed with AI. So right now you said AI is a curator. That's how we know it. It could, AI could be deployed in so many different ways. For example, our machine learning engine is technically industry agnostic, but right now we've built all these models specifically for the vacation rental industry. But the idea is it's going to be used for a variety of other things, but currently the easiest deployment is curation, personalization. Mm -hmm. So the best way to start is, is to come talk with me because what I'll do is assess what are your pain points and are those pain points solvable with AI or can you solve them with e-commerce best strategies? And nine out of 10 times, it's the, it's the latter. You can solve them with e-commerce best practices. So I, I just want to start there. Mm. Uh, but usually what I like to do is what I call a data assessment, where we sign a mutual NDA because your data is your data. I just want to be the tool to help you cultivate and deploy more. And during that data assessment, I'll ask for access to your PMS and your Google Analytics. And I'll do an in-depth analysis on what are the hurdles you're dealing with? What are the obstacles you're dealing with? Do you have enough data for this to be effective? I'll run a revenue simulation based on the data that I see. After that, it takes about a few days. I'll come back and I'll say, hey, I think we can help or I think you should do this and then come back in six months. Mm. Mm. Okay. And then what do I get? What, what, what sort of product do I get? Yes. And I think this is the biggest headache that I'm dealing with because of ChatGPT. Yeah. Everyone expects AI to be sexy and AI to be, you plug it <laughs> in, spit something right out. Yeah, something great. <laughs> AI is clunky. AI oh. is not sexy at all, but AI is brute power. So next, let's say you're able to move forward. You have 100 properties, 5,000 plus monthly web visitors, and you have, you have enough data for us to be confident that machine learning will be effective. Hmm. What we first do is we plug all of that data into the machine learning engine 
So it can become a machine learning engine specific to your business. Mm -hmm. And I say that because we do not share data across businesses. It needs to be your machine learning engine that understands your guests, your competencies, and so on. Then the engine is learning about how your business interacts with customers on your website, your marketing. It understands what's going on. And after a few weeks, may call it two, three weeks, the engine is yours. Just like your social media feed is yours, this engine is your VRMs. Then what we like to do is start powering your existing widgets. So the easiest one is the featured properties widget. Everyone has it. They might change the word saying recommended properties for you, uh, properties you may like, but that three to six property widget is the easiest thing to power. We put that on the homepage. We put that on the bottom of property pages. So the idea is let's say on the homepage, they click a property, then they go to the property page, they look around, but that property is close, just not right. At the bottom of that page, another set of recommendations. And what we're doing is keeping them in a personalized booking loop. So the idea is we want to put that widget everywhere where there's traffic, including blog pages. And the reason blog pages are effective, so let's say you are, you're a ski destination and they're looking for ski rentals, they're likely also looking for a vacation rental. So if you can suggest a property based on their preferences and purchasing power on the ski rentals blog page and they click one, now they've entered your booking funnel where they have a curated experience and now you have a chance to serve them more properties they like and get them to convert. Mm. And this screams of Amazon, having all those, you might like this and it just keeps you there, keeps you there. Oh yeah. You've, right. you've heard me say it before that I, I'm, I'm literally not reinventing the wheel. Yeah. I'm learning, I, I read every year, I read all the annual reports of the OTAs. I try to understand exactly what they're doing. And then I try to deliver that to smaller players. Yeah. Yep. Mm, incredible. So, okay. So what basically as a property manager, my guests are going to end up with a much more personalized, curated uh, property selection on every page they go to that, that matches their needs. And what about other things like the marketing emails, things like that, that can also help, right? Correct. So I want to emphasize that this is very much a crawl, walk, jog, run, fly approach. Um, and everything we've spoken about is, is barely even crawling. This is like newborn baby level. Oh, wow. Okay. So that's that's where we're starting. And, and I say that because when you look at booking.com, they do 1 million A-B tests a month. They're moving everything around their website so frequently. And they actually have artificial intelligence creating the A-B tests for them. So that's why I say that's flying. And that's why I say just deploying one widget is very much crawling. Mm. Um, so other places where personalization is important is anywhere where there's friction. So the search section of the website, yeah. when you put dates and times and you, let's say 70 properties populate, that is way too much for the human brain to handle. So mm. if you can sort order or spoon feed all the best properties to the guests at the front, you're going to increase their enthusiasm. You're going to get a higher booking value because you're showing excellent properties tailored to their purchasing power. And you're going to, you're going to make more money. But you mentioned marketing as well. And that's extraordinarily important because everyone has databases with tens of thousands of contacts that they've cultivated over the years. So I'm a sales guy. And in my sales cadences, I have an email that says, don't like my sales emails. Imagine how your guests feel. And that's the reality because everyone's sending their guests so much noise. Mm. Think about how much noise you're getting. Your guests are getting the same amount of noise. You're not mm. that special. Everyone's getting noise. And the only way to cut through the noise is with curated content specific to that person. So the idea is if that you start sending uh, emails with the same templates that you have, but with that personalized property widget, 
then they're getting properties tailored to them and they're going to be more inclined to open your email and they're going to be more inclined to click through your email to come back to your curated website. And the idea is every time they open and click on your email, you learn, then they come to your website, you learn, and you have them in this, you keep them close to the chest, essentially. Mm. And I suppose you're also sending them the email at the right time. That's more likely that they're going to be booking, uh, whether it's again or something like that. Family, yeah. school holidays. That science is a little tough because Apple is preventing that. And, and I think there's oh. other hurdles. But if you have a CRM like um, like like HubSpot or Salesforce, mm-hmm. they usually have a tool that does that for you. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't say that's really machine learning. That's more a learned behavior based on how the company opens their emails and so on. Okay. Okay. Now, what is Adaptive's unique selling point? I guess it's two letters, AI. <laughs> what is your unique selling point? Uh, the unique selling point is that we're the only ones doing this because it's an extraordinary problem. Mm. It sounds easy, just personalize the experience. But the reality is it's very, very difficult to ingest all your data and make sense of it. Mm. There's a reason that even companies with 10 data scientists are struggling to deal with all of their data. So the idea of adaptive is that where your data scientist, machine learning engineer, and deployment platform all in one, that way you can focus on deploying and let adaptive do the heavy lifting. And mm. again, crawl, walk, run. So as you start to crawl, now that's all an autopilot. All those widgets are curating experiences on autopilot and collecting more data. So now that future data can be on future deployments and you can keep expanding personalization. So mm-hmm. I, I think it's very exciting because um, it's it's doing work for you on autopilot and it's doing work that you weren't doing beforehand. So mm-hmm. the idea is, is as you start to deploy, you can build on that and keep deploying more and more across your booking funnel and so on. Mm. Do you think that... Um... Do you think the uh, technology will change where it will require less tech for property, smaller property managers to jump on board and start running with it? Yes, I do. And um, we're working on ways to do that. Mm-hmm. But that's even more extraordinarily problem because uh, you need a lot of data for it to be effective. Mm-hmm. So we're trying. It's going to take time. But I do think that that recommended rentals for you widget can be effective. Mm-hmm. I do think there might be ways to share data across similar size VRMs to learn about maybe there are trends to pick up. We're not sure. It's a lot yeah. of exploring to do. Yeah. Um, but yes, I do think that within the next year or two, there will be actual AI solutions for smaller VRMs. Um, I would still be very, very cautious because AI needs tons of data. Yeah. But when you say cautious, you just think it's not going to work properly. It's not going to, it's not going to damage business. It's just not going to work properly. Hey, it might damage business. Um, I think I read an article that like 72% of people avoid a chatbot because they think that a chatbot is used to avoid human interaction. So oh. if you have an AI chatbot on your website and it's spewing nonsense, you're going to deter customers. Yeah. Flip side though, I do think uh, a unified inbox is a great way for a smaller VRM to deploy AI. Mm-hmm. And then what a unified inbox is, is it takes all of your inboxes from all of the OTAs. So Airbnb, Booking, Expedia, funnels it into one place. And in that one place, you can start answering questions. Now, their unified inboxes existed before AI, but mm. now they're using ChatGPT plugins to essentially power the response time. So that way, if you get a lot of similar responses, ChatGPT can build 90% of the response. Maybe you tweak 10%, but that way it speeds up their communication 90%. Mm. So I do think that smaller businesses will have a way to use AI through unified inboxes. Mm. Um, it's a matter of, is it a good unified inbox? Do you believe in the team? Will this team be here in five years from now? So it's really about investing in the team supplying the unified inbox because yeah. that's a much simpler problem to solve. Yeah. But isn't it a chat? 
isn't a chatbot. They're usually asking the same questions, same questions. And I know that, you know, we don't want to be talking to robots, but if you're just asking, you know, what time is check-in, can I check in early? Uh, you know, that sort of over and over and over kind of question, surely it can work. Absolutely. But that's no different than your FAQ section. So, and it really is about, let's say, let's say two words are different in the mm. sentence. Mm. Will the chatbot pick up on that? Mm. So significant learning curve. And that's why it really matters about the team's pedigree because a good team will figure that out. Yeah. But these two teams that popped up out of nowhere, they're not going to figure it out. They're very much building the plane with you in it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. Now, given that your business relies on data, your audience then would be global, right? Yes. We work with companies all over the world uh, because this cookie-less future is a problem for everyone. Data scarcity is a problem for every VRM. We work with companies all over the world from Australia to Asia to Europe to the United States to South America. Mm. Okay. And, 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 and South Africa. And South Africa. That's right. Yeah, you are getting around, aren't you? <laughs> um, I was going to ask about cost, but I think it's just going to be it's expensive. It's worth it. Big companies, anyone interested can get in touch. And I'm well, assuming. Oh, okay, go on then. What I what I like to say is, um, talk to me first if you are around that data threshold. Yeah. Because I I turn away nine out of ten customers, and I tell them what to do, so that way maybe in a year from now we could be we could do something. But the reality is, like you said, is it's expensive. But yeah. what we do is a proof of concept, which is a flat price of five thousand mm. dollars for a ninety-day trial of mm -hmm. deploying as much personalization as we can. Mm -hmm. So let's do the data assessment, and I say I think it's going to work. My team thinks it's going to work. Let's do this five thousand uh, dollars proof of concept, mm. where we're going to deploy AI in your email, on the widgets, on your blog pages. We're going to deploy as much as we can, and every other week we're going to attribute revenue and show you. What, we're going to do an A-B test. What is your existing website doing versus the personalized journeys? And we're going to show you 5,000 visitors go to the existing site and 5,000 visitors go to the experiment. And we're going to show you how the existing site is doing versus the personalized site. That way we can definitively prove that AI is working versus not working. Mm. That would be a very fascinating exercise to observe. Mm. <laughs> it is. And revenue acquisition is very difficult. I think uh, a lot of companies have difficulty attributing revenue. So going back to e-commerce, if you can set up e-commerce tracking, you can attribute revenue because you're trans you're reading transparency into every level of your booking funnel. Mm -hmm. So revenue attribution is another aspect to this that I think uh, e-commerce will solve. Mm. Okay. Well, AI and e-commerce, very, very interesting, very in important combination. We're going to wrap up now. Evan, was there something else that we have not touched on about AI? I'm sure there's a lot, actually. <laughs> what a, no. uh, anything else that we should know about? Yeah, I think uh, it might be interesting to talk about what is to come. Yeah. Uh, right now we're talking about preparing and maybe starting to crawl. But what does flying look like? What does running and flying look like with AI? And is this so, for property managers? Because I asked about software before, but for property managers, yes. What does flying look like? Yes, exactly. So another one that I think is great is using all of your review sentiment to do an analysis, then power predictive maintenance. I think that's really cool because you have thousands and thousands of reviews. There are nuances in each of those reviews, which would take millions of hours for a human to go through, but it would take a split second for a machine to go through. And what that can allow you to do is the vendor analysis. 
maybe you see that these 10 units are managed by the same vendor and they're dropping the ball. They all have the same complaints. So instead of the guest leaving you a bad review, you can essentially use the AI to find a predicted maintenance opportunity. Mm. Another one is personalizing your sales agents. So let's say you have existing customers and you have all this data on what they spend, then your sales agents can pick, when they get that call, they get the profile and what is that guest intent? And then they can further curate off the bat to that specific guest rather than doing a bunch of due diligence. Um, and what all of this comes into is what I like to call predictive hospitality. Mm. And this is what I'm really excited about. We're not there yet, but this is how we're gonna blur the lines between a hotel and vacation rental. So predictive hospitality, in my eyes, is how do we personalize the guest experience before the stay, during the stay, and after the stay? So right now, we're very much talking about before the stay on your website, marketing, things like that. Now, during the stay, I think we're going to start to see a lot more digital concierges, whether they're iPads, whether they're guest view guides on the wall. We're going to start to see uh, some sort of digital technology where you can interact with it, just like we interact with our phones. Now, if we're showing our guests restaurants and they're ordering things off of it and we're showing them events and we're giving them a bunch of uh, maybe ancillary uh, options to rent jet skis or, or things like that, we're learning about our guests' affinities and preferences. All of that data is going to be yours. So then you can start to have a relationship with local vendors and you can start upselling and that could be creating additional revenue. And that will also decrease friction during the stay and get them to go enjoy significantly easier from the comfort of their own apartment. And then after the stay is instead of sending them noise, you send them personalized content, curated touches. So then the idea is you have this personalized communication ecosystem where every guest is, is not being annoyed. You're cutting through the noise because you're personalizing every aspect, every step of the way. You know, I'm going to say it's frightening. It is the future and it's the Jetsons. We're there. That's it. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but no, that's amazing. Personalized from beginning to end. Wow. That's right. And they talk about the internet of things, how your TV is connected to your thermostat, connected to your phone. There's a reason they call it the internet of things because everything is connected. And right now we might not see how they play on each other, but look at Amazon releasing every little thing. They have a TV component. They have the Amazon Alexa. They're on your computer. They're on your phone. Now they have the movies. Amazon knows more about us than we know about ourselves. So yeah. I think watching what is Amazon going to do is a roadmap for what every smaller player should start doing as well. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I must admit that there's a little bit of fear in me. I don't know if I want someone to know everything that I like and do and record it and use it. Can that be, um, uh, can that be abused? Oh, of course, of course. Um, and I'm sure it's going to be a lot of the time. Mm. Um, it's funny because I always, that's usually our number one pain point is, is customers are like, I don't know if I want you learning about all our guests. Mm. So say, Why do you have an Amazon Alexa in your bedroom? <laughs> Simple as that. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. Look, it's uh, we better fasten our seatbelts, man. We're we're going uh, full steam ahead with this technology. So, uh, Evan, it's been a pleasure. <laughs> I've got to switch my brain out now. Yeah, it's been great. It's been really, really great learning all about AI and having this chat. Thank you very much for your time. I will pop adaptive, uh, the link in the comments below. If you have any questions, please pop them in the comments below, Evan. It's been a pleasure. As usual. <laughs> okay, see you, Evan. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you'd like to catch up on ones you've missed, just head to 
thetechsplainedseries.com. Or if you're short for time, you can head to thetechminis.com where you'll find extra short interviews. See you next time.